This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. said thank you she'd have to check but she's not interested in anything long term she'd still want to see other people (laughs) and man said there are no other people (laughs) and woman said okay how about this We get married. You vow your eternal love for me. I expel a bunch of miniature humans who are totally dependent on us for 18 years. You get a job. You stay home weekends. And you never see another woman naked for the rest of your life. And man said, And then thousands. And thousands. And thousands. And thousands of years pass. And that's for man and woman. First date, new romance, clean shirt, pressed pants, aftershave, deodorants, electric razor, velaments, mouthwash, toothpaste, bring the condoms just in case, macho boy, slick the hair, modern man, debonair, <laughs> I will splash on must, I will knot my tie, and before I go, I will check my fly, it is women who have turned me into this, a quaffed up and dry clean guy. Facial cream from a spa, lingerie, wonder bra, hairspray, hair spritz, wax the legs, shave the pits. Appetite, coy and pert, don't eat much, no dessert, sweet and low, half and half, smile a lot, fake a laugh. <laughs> I have primped and plucked, I have robbed on air, I have spent two hours on my face and hair, and I did all this for a guy I barely know, and I bet he won't even care. I'll behave real well, show her just the good stuff only. I could weave a spell if I lie about some things. I hope he's mature, unlike every guy I dated. Still I will endure, somewhere someone dreams of me. But I got
be met? Will my fear dispel? Will I captivate or will I repel? Will I show her just how wonderful I am? Or will I be a date from hell? First date, new romance, different partners, same dance. Ready now, almost time, here we go, doorbell chime. I'll behave real well. Will this be a race? Or will I strike gold? Will my life be chased? God, I'm getting old. Hi! Kia ora, Inga Theatre Nerds. You're backstage with Mel and Mike. We are coming to you via the comfort of Zoom once again because we are in Hamilton, New Zealand and stuck in the midst of another COVID lockdown. If you're a human of the world, you will be feeling our pain, whether you're in lockdown right now or have been at some point in the last 18 months. You know exactly what we're feeling. Of course, we have to start by thanking our friends Creative Waikato and Free FM because without their endless and relentless support, sponsorship and encouragement, we just wouldn't be able to hang out backstage nerding with you. No, we would not. Last week, we brought you Bring It On the Musical and everything you didn't know you needed to know about costumes and costuming. If you missed it, you can catch up on any and all of your favourite podcasts streaming apps by typing in backstage with Mel and Mike. And we could talk all about how sad we are about the ongoing lockdown and resulting show cancellations. It could get quite depressing. Or we could talk a whole lot about another musical that we like and or have discovered. Uh, This week it's Mike's turn while I get to sit back, be educated. Uh, I did (laughs) see this musical... I did see this musical live once, but I don't remember it super well, to be honest. And so, Mike, I think you should brighten up our lives with your meticulously researched musical of the week. I love you, you're perfect, now change. Very well, then, I shall begin. I love you, you're perfect, now change is a musical comedy with a book and lyrics by Joe DiPietro and music by Jimmy Roberts, and it's the second longest-running off-Broadway musical of all time. The musical was nominated for the Art of Critics Circle Award as Outstanding Off-Broadway Musical back in 1997. It is kind of beautiful in its simplicity, really. I Love You, Your Perfect Now Change is presented in the form of a series of vignettes connected by the central theme of love and relationships. The play's tagline is, Everything you have ever secretly thought about dating, romance, marriage, lovers, husbands, wives and in-laws, but were afraid to admit. With few exceptions, the scenes stand quite independent of the others, but they do progress in a fashion that's designed to suggest an overall arc to relationships throughout the course of your life. A first date, for example, comes before the scenes that deal with marriage, and scenes dealing with marriage come before those dealing with childbearing and raising, and it follows the highs and lows of first dates, first loves, marriages, babies, in-laws, growing old together, paying tribute to those who have loved and lost and those who have moved on, and those who have dared to ask someone out on a date. Sound complete enough? Despite that, despite a very large number of characters, the show is typically done with a comparatively small cast. The original off-Broadway production used a cast of four, and that's pretty much how it's been always done nowadays, although I have heard of uh, productions done with casts of six and eight. Now, I Love You, Your Perfect Now Change was first produced in the town where the playwright Joe DiPietro was born, that is Teaneck, New Jersey. 
The production there ran from February the 24th to March the 12th of 1995 at the American Stage Company Theatre. Directed by Joel Bischoff, the cast included Robert Rosnowski, Robert Michael and Melissa Weil. The musical premiered off-Broadway at the Westside Theatre at the start of August 1996. It closed on July the 27th, 2008, after 5,003 performances. It would be a long run on Broadway. It's a hell of a long run off-Broadway. Again, it was directed by Joel Bischoff, and the cast featured Jordan Leeds. Robert Rosnowski was back. Jennifer Simard was in it, and Melissa Wilde reprised her roles as well. It was first produced in the UK at the Churchill Theatre Bromley, followed by a short season in the West End Comedy Theatre from July 1999 to September of that year. And that was also directed by Joel Bischoff. It was revived in London at the German Street Theatre, running from March the 1st to the 26th in 2005. That production also opened in Dubai the following year, and a Mandarin Chinese version debuted in Beijing in China on June the 20th, 2007. It had also been reproduced by Land Creators, which is Taiwan's only group producing Broadway musicals, and performed in English at the Crown Theatre Taipei from November of 2007. The show has been translated into at least 17 languages, including Hebrew, Spanish, Dutch, Hungarian, Czech, Slovak, Slovene, Japanese, Korean, Italian, Portuguese, German, Catalan, Finnish, Mandarin, Cantonese, Norwegian, Polish, French and Turkish. It's played in Los Angeles, Toronto, Boston, Chicago, London, Dubai, Tel Aviv, Mexico City, Guadalajara, Barcelona, Istanbul, Amsterdam, Budapest, Sydney, Prague, Bratislava, Seoul, Warsaw, Milan, Rio de Janeiro, Johannesburg, Dublin, Buenos Aires, Berlin, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Beijing, Taipei, Tokyo, Manila, Wiesbaden, Munich, Heidelberg and Christchurch. I should also add in there Nelson, 2014. In 2008, Kookaburra, the National Musical Theatre Company in Australia, toured New South Wales with a version of the production with Australian accents and references all the way through. The production was directed by Darren Yap and starred Hayden T, Katrina Ritalik, Marika Aubrey and Anthony Harkin. Its near-sold-out season scheduled for Sydney in April 2009 was cancelled after the sudden collapse of the Kookaburra Theatre Company. Then in 2015, I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change ran in London in the small studio space named Above the Arts in London's West End and Leicester Square. And in 2017, there was a short run at the George Street Playhouse at their interim theatre in New Brunswick. And in 2019, a Cantonese film adaptation directed by Wong Cho Lam was released. That's a pretty rich history, isn't it? Very rich history. Now, normally, I'd give you a bit of a rundown of the reception of the show and uh, how it was received in terms of critical response and audience reactions. But to be totally honest with you, there's not a a heck of a lot of that around to dig into, despite the fact that the show had that 12-year run off-Broadway and racked up over 5,000 performances. And it's been produced in so many places around the world and in so many languages, you'd really have to assume that it was universally well-received and pretty well-loved, right? That would be my assumption. Well, yeah, it was, but it's also become a little bit contentious over the passing years. Now, if you ever want to look at an example of a show that's almost a victim of its era, I think I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change could be that show. In an interview for the New York Times about the show upon its opening in 1995, producer James Hammerstein described it as universal. People always want to connect, he said. Connection is the key word. And to a degree, he was right. 
While it may be true that the urge to connect is a basic and primal human desire across sexualities and gender expressions, across socioeconomic status, across race and nationality, the ways in which we connect with each other varies tremendously across those social lines. The story goes that while watching the show during its opening year off-Broadway, one woman in the audience yelled out, This is my life! But would all audiences have that response, particularly now, 26 years down the track? And would anybody in the audience now do what that woman did and see themselves in the story? I love you. Your perfect now change tracks the growth of heterosexual, monogamous, romantic relationships using a very traditional model. Man meets woman. Man asks woman on a date. Man and woman go on date. Man and woman struggle to impress one another. Man and woman get married, have children, grow old together, live happily ever after, albeit with some annoyances along the way. You get the picture, right? The men and women represented in the musical are all gender-conforming. In fact, the characters are almost relentlessly stereotypical of their respective genders. One man watches football obsessively, while another sits miserably waiting for his wife to finish shopping, while another bemoans having to see an emotionally loaded chick flick instead of an action-packed man film. The women, on the other hand, complain about having to wear wonder bras and sexy underwear for first dates. They spend hours buying shoes they don't need, nag their husbands, and desperately wait for men to call them. Now, you've got to take into account the fact that this show was written in the 1990s. That's the era of classic sitcoms like Friends, Seinfeld, Everybody Loves Raymond, all of which asserted those same stereotypes, pretty much presenting heterosexual relationships between a certain kind of woman with a certain kind of man as the norm. Now, you know what I mean, the, you know, the wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of jokes about women, am I right? And men, you can't live them, you can't live without them. Those are the sort of jokes yeah. that ran rampant throughout the show. And in this way, I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change was very much a show of its time. But do its themes of connection and love hold up today at a time when non-traditional relationships, sexualities and gender expressions are gaining acceptance and representation in a time when TV shows like Modern Family, for example, reinvented the sitcom model. While audiences of today, particularly younger audiences, might not be able to see their lives so clearly represented in a show like I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change, most have likely still felt the anxiety of preparing for a first date, the thrill of having a secret crush, the excitement of a first love, and the heartbreak of losing a partner. And not all audience members might want a traditional marriage or children, but as James Hammerstein said back in 1995, all audience members do likely want connection. So it's arguable that I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change presents a challenge to the modern theatre-goer to gaze through the cracks, to read between the lines, to dig underneath the stereotypes and the wink-wink, nudge-nudge kind of jokes to find the truth of the musical. The universal desire to find another human or humans with whom to share one's fullest, most authentic self. And while perhaps that's a difficult challenge, it is a worthy one, and in fact it mimics the challenges we all face on our real-life journeys to find meaningful relationships, a challenge to look past the veneer and the masks that we put on to find the truth within. <laughs> so while I love you, your perfect no change might not represent a relationship model that everyone can relate to, it certainly does present feelings that almost everyone can relate to. And on this point, I think probably all of us could agree. For that much, it is a show that still has something to say about us as human beings. And the music's great. There are songs in this show that I absolutely adore. There are songs that, that tug at your heartstrings no matter what, where you sit in your life. And a, a footnote of sorts to finish this with, 
Last month, Broadway HD included this show as part of its celebration of Broadway's reopening. Lambert Jackson Productions' virtual production of I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change was filmed at the London Coliseum late last year in honour of the hit show's 25th anniversary. And since the original off-Broadway production, the show now features a brand new song, A Picture of His Penis, which deals with a fairly common problem that some women face at the moment, getting unwanted images uh, through um, social media and through their phones, as well as updates to current numbers that have been part of uh, De Petrio and Roberts's ongoing efforts to keep the show as fresh and as relevant as its debut. Is it entirely successfully up to date? I haven't seen a recent production that's based on the more recent scripts that are available, so I can't give you an honest answer on that. I suspect is still going to struggle a wee bit with that feeling that it is very much based on heterosexual, monogamous kind of relationships. But the underlying themes, I think, are universal if you can look at it that way. So I think the show still has value, still has a place in the canon of musical theatre. And um, I give it a thumbs up, mostly because the music actually does hit all the right notes. And that's all I have to say about that. Well, you heard it here, folks. Uh, Mike's big thumbs up for I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change. I think, well, I know that I will be adding it, the the cast album, to my Spotify playlist today. We've got a yarn with our mate Dead Nuds from The Meteor coming up, as well as all of the theatre that we know of that is hopefully maybe still going ahead before the end of the year. Stay right there. Did I mention that I just had my phone fixed? Really? Yes. Oh? Yup. Wow. Yup. Oh, I just remembered the cutest story about my brother. What? No, maybe not. No, come on. Come on. Okay. My brother, (laughs) this is really cute. (laughs) My brother, he has 11 toes. (laughs) I sit here trying to impress and make this guy awestruck. But every subject I address makes me sound like such a schmuck. It's not that I can't be diverting. Sometimes I can even thrill. But I'd just be so much better at flirting if I only had looks that kill. If I were a stud If I were a babe The kind of guy girls love The kind of girl guys Stronger. My lungs would be flowing. My chest hair would be showing. My hips would be 
on your chin better Julie be honest I don't have a lot of what you're looking for do I no no it's me Julie I'm not a star I'm not a I'm not a guy girl's love if you know well I'm not a girl guy's crave really I'm awkward and whiny my biceps are tiny I'm not too athletic my clothes are synthetic my nails are all chewed on my hair is all glued on my hips are real dumpy when mine are real lumpy That's A Stud and a Babe from our Musical of the Week, uh, which is I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. You are backstage with Mel and Mike talking about theatre of all forms, shapes and sizes, and you're either listening to us live on Free FM 89.0 or you're tuning in via your favourite podcasting app. However you got here, you're most welcome and we love to see you. We have Deb from The Meteor on standby and she'll be joining us very shortly for a segment I've decided to start branding the COVID catch-up while we're still recording Zoom. <laughs> Good call. Uh, aptly titled, really, given that really all we're talking to people about these days seems to be COVID-19 and its effects on the theatre that we're doing and seeing or not doing and seeing, but also on mm. the lives of our loved ones and the society around us. It, is, it was so easy to sit back this time last year enjoying our relative freedom and conquering our first outbreak, thinking that it was all over, Rover. Yeah, I mean, I don't by any means think that we really thought it was over, Rover, but we definitely sat back in our chairs and went, uh, cheers to summer, guys, let's go to our festivals. And we did. Um, we did. I, I've been finding myself lately watching from afar, you know, Broadway shows getting back on stage and the West End slowly starting back to open up. Um, envying you, Mike, going and seeing the Revlon Girl in Tauranga recently. Yeah. You know, the level two freedom of getting to go see a play in Tauranga. It's funny how the tables have turned. Well, I only get that freedom because I live in Morrinsville, which is also level two. And, and for that, I, I feel for you, Mel. Um, you know, being yeah. in a level three place like Hamilton, it's been tough. And I don't think these alert level threes and lockdowns are going to be 
be a permanent fixture by any means in the long term. Uh, the government's already signalled that. But there certainly isn't a very clear time frame as to just when the restrictions are going to end. Government is hoping that it will be before Christmas, and some are hoping it might even be as early as this week. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a, kind of a moving feast, isn't it? The goalposts change their position every now and again, and kind of has to be that way. We've got to be reactive to what's going on around us. Well, that's all we as theatre makers and um, administrators of theatre groups, you know, that's all we can do is just react. That's that's sort of what we've got. Yeah, so many groups have, have uh, been very close to opening or had, you know, dress rehearsal done and dusted, waiting for opening night, and for the last several weeks have just been treading water wondering when you can get together again and, and carry on or whether, you know, ultimately you're going to get to a point where you have to say enough's enough, we can't continue with that show, we've got to move on to the next idea. That's right, and it's so hard to come to a point where it's it's time to make that decision. But while we wait for announcements and hope for alert-level shifts, shows are falling victim, like we've mentioned, left, right and centre. To pay tribute, some of these shows are still listed this week, and we hope you'll keep an eye out for their resurrection, uh, or maybe even donate your ticket money to help keep societies and venues operating. Good call. With all of that said, it's time to get out your calendars now to take note of everything we know about that's still coming up around the place between now and the end of the year. Or at the Meteor, Boil Up has been through the ringer a little bit. So Elsie, written and choreographed by Lily Empson, is due to potentially go on stage this weekend, but that will depend on the alert level changes. Uh, Postponed is Drag Up Your Life, presented by Miss California. That's now going to hit the stage in February of 2022. Uh, the Boil Up Project Artemeda has been po- postponed uh, and will be performed by Henirangi Maria in a sort of a rehearsal feedback process over the next few months. Uh, and Wish I Was There, also a Boil Up project that's written and performed by James Smith. That's hoping to hit the stage next weekend, again, dependent on alert levels. And then last up, we've got Assassins, hopefully presented by Bold Theatre in December from the 10th to the 18th. At Riverley Theatre, all together now, directed by Tony Garson, is opening November the 13th and 14th. Navarra Lounge, of course, is still closed due to the ongoing effects of COVID and the changing alert levels. But please go and give them a like and follow on Facebook and keep an eye out on their reopening details. MTI is all together now, is playing in several places. Uh, November the 12th to the 15th, it's at Morrinsville Theatre. Tauranga Musical Theatre have all together now for November the 12th to the 14th. And Thames Music and Drama have it scheduled for November 12th to the 15th. Matamata Dramatic Society have At the Sign of the Crippled Harlequin by Norman Robbins hitting the stage November the 27th until December the 4th. And Tauranga's 16th Avenue Theatre, The Revlon Girl, directed by Geraldine Broderick. Really good play. Uh, Closes this coming weekend. And that's going to be followed by Swingers by April Phillips. That opens 26th of November, running to the 10th of December, directed by Merv Beats. Sherlock Holmes, The Adventure of the Speckled Band is the next play for Tauranga's Detour Theatre, scheduled to open uh, 18th November, running to the 4th of December. Over the way, Theatre Fakatani has Mystery on the Orient Express as their Christmas season. That opens November 17th until the 27th. Upcoming auditions and opportunities, Tauranga Musical Theatre have put a call out for people interested in taking on the role of director, musical director or choreographer for their April 2022 season of That Bloody Woman. Check out their Facebook page or website if you want details. Wing Valley Productions are holding auditions for their debut production, The Pillow Man, that's directed by Jason Wing, on November the 6th. Look them up on Facebook for more audition info. What a stunning play for them to choose for their opening production as well. 
The Sherpa and the Beekeeper, written and directed by Matt Kambeck, tells the story of the very first summiting of Mount Everest to audition for Edmund Hillary or Tenzing Norgay. Look up The Sherpa and the Beekeeper on Facebook. You'll find it. Hamilton Playbooks are soon or holding auditions for their April season of Geezers by Tommy Lee Johnston and directed by our Mike Williams. That's happening on November 21st. Check out the Hamilton Playbooks Facebook page for audition details. Hamilton Musical Theatre are auditioning for the May season of Blood Brothers on December the 5th and 6th. Follow their Facebook page if you want to get details to book an audition. And last but not least, Riverly Theatre are seeking expressions of interest from directors, choreographers and musical directors who might be keen to be on the creative team for their 22 Christmas season of Saturday Night Fever. Look Riverly Theatre up on Facebook for more information. And as always, if there is anything you want us to spread the word about or update us on the correct details, email us on backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com or just let us know when you see us at the theatre next or sitting down for a coffee somewhere. We're up for on Tap us on the shoulder. Just tell us. The experts say it does not last. The experts say it's fleeting. The experts bray love fades so fast. Then tell me why is my heart still beating? Shouldn't I be less in love with you? Shouldn't I address what time can do? Shouldn't I be more inclined to flee? Shouldn't I explore all I can be? Shouldn't I confess a sordid fling? Shouldn't I caress a cute young thing? Shouldn't I assess what we've been through? Shouldn't I be less in love with you? After All those brutal fights, those futile fights, then the sleepless night. Shouldn't I have quit? Cause marriage ends Shouldn't we have split Like all our friends Shouldn't I profess It's time to go Shouldn't I be less In love with you You're backstage with Mel and Mike. 
Thank you again to our friends at Free FM and Creative Waikato for making Backstage possible. That was Should I Be Less In Love With You from Musical of the Week. I love you, you're perfect, now change. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. Deborah Nudds is the theatre manager for The Meteor, public speaker, mentor, mum, wife, all-round Wonder Woman. Like many of us, Deb's work life has been flipped, turned upside down thanks to COVID and plenty of ongoing cancellations. We're here to talk about that and a whole lot more... Yeah, thanks for joining us again, Deb. It's really nice to see a friendly face in amongst us at Backstage. Nice to see you both on Zoom there and and have a chance to talk about what the meteor's going through. How are you doing? Uh, We're doing okay. We're we're holding on, waiting for the next announcement due today uh, on the alert levels because, you know, obviously we need level two to be able to operate. And um, we've had Lily Empson's show, Elsie, packed in and sitting waiting in the venue for at least the last three weeks. And I, I really feel for Lily because she's had a whole lot of false starts about, you know, we keep putting it out till the next weekend and the next weekend. So if we can go into level two this week, then we can do the show. If we can't, then we're kind of running out of space in our calendar. So, yeah, that's going to be a bit of a scheduling nightmare. But we'll cross that one when we have to. Later Good time to bring up the boil-up projects because I saw that Artemira got cancelled. Yeah, well, Artemira actually is being postponed. So with Hinaranga Marie, what we were going to do with Artemira in terms of boil-up was she was going to do a few, uh, I think, three development showings. So she's really after some feedback from the audience and just an indication of how her work is being perceived. So the plan for that was to just postpone that season and do one open rehearsal pretty much on a Sunday and then she would do a full production in April next year. So we're really still hoping that that one can happen in that way. It's probably a little bit easier for us to schedule in an open rehearsal in some time in the rest of the year than it is for a full production. So... Yeah, Lily's show, not sure what's going to happen with that. Uh, James Smith's show, Wish I Was Here, is programmed in for the first week of November. So potentially we could do their show. It really just does depend on the alert levels. Yeah. So originally that project was supposed to finish in October this year. And the set, okay. you know, under the terms of the CNC grant. But I'm sure they'll be fine about us having to extend it out if, if we need to. I'm sure they will too. Do we have other plans for a 2022 boil up or does this sort of like put a dampener on that potentially? Um, well, I think it's a really valuable project and, you know, we should continue doing it. And it, and it seems like it, it's a bit arbitrary if you just do it one year. Mm. So I'm not sure about next year because, I mean, this was funded by an arts grant and CNZ, in terms of art grant, arts grants, they like to fund new projects so I'm not sure if a return of this particular thing will make it under that grant criteria so we have to look at other funding streams Um, so I would say that at least 2023 like even if we could find the putia to do boil up every second year that would probably be the most likely scenario and that's a yeah. good time frame to sort of keep the projects moving as well and, and allow for this sort of mishap, I guess, in terms of rescheduling. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Boil-Up's kind of got its eye on the long game too. You know, it's with when the Waikato Regional Theatre opens, 
it's it's about you know getting our practitioners and our creative our writers and our thinkers and our our creative community to have their work at a standard where it can be seen at the Waikato Regional Theatre. So, you know, a two-year time frame for each boil-up isn't too bad, as far as I think. Not unreasonable, is it? Yeah. On a personal level, how's everybody doing, and uh, you know, staff-wise, how's everybody feeling at the Meteor at the moment? This seems a, a, a very different kind of experience from, from what we went through last year. Yeah, I think last year it was a bit of a novelty, wasn't it? I mean, we're all a bit jaded by it now. And also the, lo- the sort of the rolling nature of this lockdown is a little bit harder to deal with. Um, the staff, we're all good. We're not catching up on Zooms daily, but we're keeping in touch. You know, Facebook Messenger is quite good for that. And we've all got our individual things to carry on with. Um, I think Hannah's done a great job of with our social media in terms of keeping a community sense and finding something to say daily that's not necessarily related to shows at the Meteor. It's sort of... Uh, uh, exploring other people's work and what they're doing and other opportunities to engage with the arts online. So I think that's that's quite a good um, thing that the staff are doing. Benny did a webinar for us on volunteer management the other day, which was quite fun. And guys sort of periodically going into work and just doing a few technical and physical chores in the space while there's no one else around. And me, I'm refunding tickets and writing emails, which is, you know, pretty much my job, just in a different location. How has last year's experience prepared you for what you're going through now, though, from an administrative point of view, with the work that you're doing, the rescheduling, the refunding, the um, squeezing together of new things into a new calendar for next year? Uh, all of that seems like uh, it's a little bit of deja vu, but as you said, the rolling nature of this lockdown seems to have made it a lot more challenging in a lot of, a lot of other ways as well. Do you feel prepared to do all that or is this kind of suck it and see as you go kind of thing? Well, I think last year gave me a taster of what this year has brought. Um, This one with this rolling nature has been been quite hard to schedule things because there's been a lot of postponements rather than cancellations. I mean, there has been a few cancellations too. But everyone's kind of wanting to roll their work on, and so it's got a flow-on effect into early 2022. Um, when we have added uncertainty to our program, because at the moment we're waiting on a the outcome of a lotteries grant, which is the final piece in the puzzle of our public bathroom renovations. So if we get that, then um, we're looking to move into renovating those bathrooms February, March next year. So we have taken, I have taken bookings for and, and production inquiries for that time, but with the caveat that they might not even be able to go ahead then because we, we might be doing the bathroom. So that has sort of added to the whole um, melange of difficulty about rescheduling. Sometimes I feel like I'm trying to do a jigsaw puzzle and the pieces keep changing shape every couple of hours. You know, it's, it's, quite, it's, it's quite challenging. Curious about uh, the future of things like Tōwahine. Is that likely to roll ahead next year? Uh, well, Tōwahine is um, me, pretty much, uh, and Hannah Mooney last time. 
Um, we would love to do that again, but it really does depend on how much space we see in the Meteors calendar, particularly next year. Um, there's a couple of other keynote things that are sort of on the Meteors horizon too. So trees at the Meteor is no longer. And, yeah, they've, they've pulled the plug on that. And so we're sort of looking at how we might pick up some of that slack working with another community organisation because we feel like that's a really important creative outlet for lots of individuals and community groups at the end of the year. We love that compassion, not consumption message. Um, so that's another thing that we're looking at. And then there's the Hamilton Fringe Festival, which does not currently exist. And I've been in a few Zooms with um, Fringe directors from around the country, and there is some, some Ministry of Cultural Heritage money available for reinvigorating fringes and for support for fringe festivals. So we're also potentially looking at how the meteor might sort of umbrella that and start that process again with the idea of appointing a fringe trust and fringe directors who can in the future take that and run that as a separate standalone project. So, yeah, there's, there's some interesting stuff coming up for us next year if COVID lets us do them. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that, COVID. Oh, trees at the Meteor is such a – I'm so sad about it, but if you guys pick it up, you know, there's always lines of people down the door, out the door, you know. I am not big on crowds of people I don't know, but – so I don't I don't go because there are so many people lined up out the door at such a popular event. Yeah. Well it's a great I mean it's a really affordable family experience to have at Christmas time, you know. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I love it as that antidote to just consume, consume, consume. Um and and you know, it brings a lot of people into the meteor, a lot of people who wouldn't normally come necessarily. It might be their only time through the year. Um, and, and, you know, it used to have entries from the ED department or from various play centres or schools. And so there's no real way of knowing how many people actually contributed to that event because, you know, a couple of hundred trees, probably a couple of thousand creators in terms of who's actually making things to go in there. So, yeah, I think it's an important event that we would like to save if we can a hell of a lot of work so we do need a partner on that I mean we've got a small team and these all these opportunities present themselves but you know we have to do them in partnership with other people because we can't just take them on does that also apply to potential partnerships with uh, things like the Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival yeah with the, with the Gardens Festival we've um, we've kind of partnered with them for the last couple of years and that's been good I mean, we had a, a Jason from Clarence Street and I joined the festival team um, on Friday for a Zoom and we went through their program with them and gave them some advice on ticketing and um, possible audiences for the various works that they've got. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're fully into supporting the Gardens Festival. Uh, this year they don't, or next year, they don't actually have anything to put in our venue. So they did have a couple of shows that have all cancelled. Um, so, yeah, 
we're not actually hosting any gardens festival events in 2022 but the partnership and the idea about that about that collaboration remains that's good yeah yeah yeah. I want to that ask you also, good. Deb, about uh, your long-term thinking of uh, Meteor as a venue and the impact of seating arrangements and things like that which have come out of COVID. Uh, are you doing any, any big-picture thinking about that for the future, about how you might sustainably work with reduced seating or, or uh, other issues that may have come out of the COVID experience? Uh, well, one of our strengths is our flexibility in terms of that seating. So you know, 100 people distanced under the sort of uh, red and amber traffic light system that the government has just sort of come out with replacing the alert levels. Um, we can pretty much do those. We've been playing around with the way that people buy their seats in a COVID environment. So um, we've developed some patron-based seating plans where when you buy your ticket, it automatically socially distances your ticket from from uh, the, the seats around you. So it does give us an idea of how we can maintain that potential gathering size limit within our seating plan. It does mean there's a little bit more bespoke service in terms of ushering to your seats, but that's not a bad thing for an audience. It's nice to have that human touch rather than just opening the doors and go and find the seat. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you worried or thinking, I suppose you must be as we all are, um, thinking about vaccine, vaccine mandates and vaccine certificates, et cetera, and how you guys might handle that? Yeah. Um, well, we had a, a, there was a trust meeting last night and there was big discussion around that uh, and also what the policy will be. I mean, obviously in order to operate where the staff will need to be fully vaccinated. Um, 75% of us are fully on board. There's one who's slightly hesitant about about that, but, you know, that's a choice that they have to make. Um, we'll also need um, vaccination certificates from our users, so from the various productions, but also our volunteers and our audience. So we, we need to comply with the, the idea of double vaccination in order to be able to run the venue. Yeah. And hopefully that will mean that in the future, we won't have to shut down at any particular stage. Like we will have to adapt to various light settings, but we won't have to fully shut down. That's the dream anyway. Yeah. Definitely the dream for us as well. Yeah. I mean, it's been really hard for theatres this year. You know, basement has closed for the year. Like that's okay. none of it, yeah. So that they have no plans to reopen, even if Auckland gets to a level two situation, just because you know none of their their works have had been able to rehearse or get together and actually create the work. So yeah, we're not at that situation, and hopefully Reveille isn't either. But um, yeah, we don't want to no, be well. again. So the traffic lights are the best response for us. I think we were just waiting for some real clear guidance on how to handle the situation because, you know, it's hard when you're volunteers um, telling people, sorry, you can't, you can't, you can't be here. You can't see the show if you're not vaccinated. You know, like how do we ask volunteers to manage that? So we're just waiting for more guidance, much like you are, I guess. Yeah, I think, I mean, I was reading something today on, I can't remember which newspaper and they, they were sort of talking about how, the life of the unvaccinated will become 
you know, like the untouchables really. And, 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 and if you have a problem with vaccination, your life's about to get quite tough. Mm. Yeah. Which is not something I think we've ever really, well, my generation has ever really faced um, as a society is the consequences of those sorts of choices. Yeah. Well, it, it is some pretty deep thinking, Deb, and um, probably not the uplifting or um, upbeat kind of ending we wanted to the discussion, but really good to get your input on the, what are going to be some fairly critical and really important issues facing all of us as we move forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, people really want those experiences. We all want to get back into having live art and being able to be part of an audience and, and feel that collective kind of experience and and. and creative expansion of our unit of our universes so you know it's important that we get vaccinated so we can all come and enjoy it <laughs> really good to have you on the show Thank, thanks so much for giving us your time today to be, to be part of it and um you know we we will keep touching base with you because you always give us such great uh, insight as to what what things are like you know from a, a slightly different perspective as a venue and and dealing with so many different people you have a, a really unique um view of of the artistic and creative scene in our reach and we really value that thank you oh thanks mike and and mel like always a pleasure to talk to you guys and um listen to the podcast and i'm so glad that you carried on and doing that even in spite of covid <laughs> it's definitely been hard <laughs> yeah you can't keep us down thanks deb thanks so much deb yeah, thanks guys have a good See day you. there Deb Nuds from The Meteor, an endless source of joy and knowledge on the art sector. We are big, big fans. Yeah, we are huge fans. That's actually all the goods we have for you this week, but please join us again next week for another Musical of the Week and another jolly good theatre-related yarn. I feel like we've covered quite a bit of territory today. We'd like to promise that we'll be back in the studio together next week, but we can't absolutely promise that, so we won't. But we will be back. What we will also do is keep crossing our fingers, keep encouraging our friends to get vaccinated, and keep signing in with the COVID Tracer app so that we can get back to normal as quickly as possible with as few restrictions as we can manage. In a nutshell, we'll be doing everything we can in order to be in a theatre with our friends and communities as soon as we are humanly able. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you for FM for hosting us. Thanks, Creative Waikato, for sponsoring us. And thank you for coming back week after week. Yeah, and thank we really, you, Mike. really do appreciate it. Don't forget to catch Backstage wherever you get your podcasts. Backstage is available on accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And head over to Instagram and find Backstage Podcast NZ, where I will be sharing today's episode plus musical of the week on our story. I have been Mike, she's been Belle, and you have been Backstage. We're heading out with the epilogue from Musical of the Week. I love you, you're perfect now change. Stay safe out there and stay classy, theater nerds. See you. of man and woman shall be written. Endlessly crashing into each other like two vengeful bumper cars. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? You played it for her, you can play it for me. My man done did me wrong. Chicks and ducks and geese better scurry. I got it bad and that ain't good. You make me feel like a natural woman. She was just 17, you know what I mean. Love to love ya, baby. But above all else, added the Lord God, one truth is eternal. 
All ye good people of earth, go forth with joy. Find someone to love. Someone you think is perfect. Then spend the rest of your life trying to change them. Keep coming back. I keep coming back. I keep coming back to this whirlwind tour of loving and leaving and wanting more. I swear that I swore off of love before, but I, but I, but I keep coming back. Somehow I keep coming back. I keep coming back all goo-goo-eyed. I've been through the ringer and been drip-dried. I say I'm a mess, but I say it with pride. So I, so I, so I keep coming back, baby. I keep coming back. Keep coming. Love's a delicious and vicious curse. Once you hit bliss, then you hit reverse. Well, if love's a disease, baby, get me a nurse. Cause I, cause I, I keep coming back. Oh, I keep coming back. I keep coming back in this lovesick mess. I dive back in this reckless joy. I thrive. I hereby concede what I need to survive is to look at. And I put away their toys, so tonight I'll feel the joys of being wed. I put away each Smurf, and the football's made of Nerf, so tonight this daddy's turf will be his bed. I cleaned up Legos and gorillas, Ninja Turtles and Godzillas, and one large Tyrannosaurus Rex. Now who would have guessed? But soon I'll be undressed. I'm married, and I'm gonna have sex. Dad, Tyler threw up in bed. I laid out their school clothes and the leftovers I froze, so I'm ready to expose my aching butt. I walked to St. Bernard, let the cat out in the yard, so watch mommy work real hard, lots of lust. I picked up Batman, Pez, and Slinky's Power Rangers, Trolls and Twinkies, G.I. Joes with muscles that flex. Now who would have known? But soon I'll hear me moan. I'm married and 
growing large and soon I will discharge my manly spell Dad, my lizard I cooked dinner in the walk I washed every shirt and sock so tonight I'm gonna rock and roll like hell We played with Play-Doh and Nintendo We watched Dumbo to the end Oh, now it's time for fun that's rated Almost didn't make it, but soon we'll both be naked. We're married. And we're gonna have burning, yearning, wheezing, squeezing, gaudy, naughty, heaving, cleaving, good old fashioned. Mom, Dad, the lizard's eating the guppies. Let Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.